Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, it's the 5 o'clock hour of the Burns and Gambo show on this Monday. John Gambadoro, Dave Burns with you. And we might be nearing closer. Well, I mean, we are nearing closer. The trade deadline's in 10 days. But we might be nearing even closer than that to this insufferable Jake Crowder saga. I think we're finally at the 10-yard line of the Jake Crowder oh. saga. I'm told the Suns have given permission to the Bucks to meet one-on-one with Jake Crowder ahead of the trade deadline. I'm told this meeting took place over the weekend between Jake Crowder and the Bucks, and, and they've been seriously engaged in conversations. Uh, sources tell me that the Bucks' recent offer, most current offer, offer is Jordan Awara, Serge Ibaka, George Hill, uh, second-round draft compensation for Crowder. That noise that whoever, whatever show it is that Shams is on, that was Shams Sharania. Right. I'm going to play for you again the noise made by the host when he says we might be coming to an end. That's how I feel about this. Hold on, here it comes. I think we're finally at the 10-yard line of the Jay Crowder oh. side. Right there. Oh, oh. Thank God. Oh. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, we're, we're done. I can breathe now. I can come out of my house. George, uh. George Hill is 37 years old. He's no good anymore. Um, Serge Ibaka is no good anymore. The other kid doesn't. He's not that good. Those, those aren't good players. The Suns wouldn't be. They, what they would get if they could get draft pick compensation, even if it, you might just settle for second rounders. But I'll tell you right now, if, if that's the trade, and I can't rule that out, but I, I know the Suns don't like George Hill, and I know they don't like Ibaka. I'm not sure on Nawara. It's not a name I've checked on, but I know they don't like Ibaka and they don't like Hill. So what I would tell you, if that trade went down, it would be about the draft pick compensation. That would be about, man, did we just get two second round picks? Because then we'll use that in the future to, you know, draft cheap players or use it in a trade package because they might be, you know, gearing up for a big play in the offseason. So if they did trade Jay for that package, the biggest thing coming back would be the draft pick compensation, not the players. Yeah, and and that that trade seems very much like a let's just get this over with kind of deal, which is honestly the kind of deal that's been staring them in the face now for the last, what, month, month and a half, where we, we've been saying on this show consistently, steadily, and this is not meant to say like we told you so or anything, but we've been saying for a long time, you have to really lower your expectations for this Jay Crowder yes, thing. You're yeah. just not going to get that much in exchange. And so names like Nawara and George Hill and Serge Ibaka, we might roll our eyes and go, man, that's it. But yeah, long that's way it. From, that, long way from people thinking they were going to get Kyle Kuzma for him, right? Yeah, but but again, that was, I mean, when did we cross that threshold? A month ago? Two months ago, right? Which, like we, which threshold? We, which one? The idea of getting Kyle Kuzma in exchange for Jay Crowder. It was never going to happen, but a lot of people well, were I talking know, but, about that earlier. But early, earlier, like back in November, right. earlier back in October, you know. But but lately, I, nobody's nobody's been at least nobody that I know of has been suggesting that you're going to get some sort of king's ransom for Jay. I, I think this has been kind of the accepted reality of the situation now for the better part of the last month. You're mm-hmm. just not going to get that much in exchange for him. That's just how this is going to. No, be. he's an expiring contract, an older guy. That's not an athletic. He's not a very athletic player, but he's he's a hard nosed player. I mean, teams there are teams. I like Jay, but here's the thing. I mean, if you're a team that's in contention for a playoff spot, you're not going to give up anybody good to get Jay. You'd like to add Jay Crowder, but you don't want to give up any. I'll give you guys that aren't playing or guys that don't mean anything. Guys who are like 9, 10, 11 in our rotation. 
You're not getting somebody's sixth man or a seventh man. You know, uh, maybe we'll give you some second-round draft picks. You can't even get a first-round draft pick for Jay Crowder right now. No, but the thing the thing is, for me anyway, is that it's almost done. And I, and I think I've just gotten to the point where I just need it to be done because it's, it's just something that's been, you know, if you're a casual Suns fan, it's probably been in the back of your mind for a little while now. If you're a hardcore Suns fan like me uh, or, or doing what you and I do for a living, it's been, it's been a topic of conversation now it feels like every other day since September. This needs to be done. Now, I'll, I'll say it, and I'll, I'll say this again. If, if this is what it's going to be, fine, let it be it. But I'm still holding out some hope that Jay Crowder will be a part of a larger deal where other players, Landry Shamit, Dario Saric, whomever, expiring contracts, whatever, or, or contracts that you need to fill out the deal, that those guys are packaged along with draft picks in exchange for something bigger for something better, something that's not Jordan Nawara, or it's not George Hill, or not Serge Ibaka. I, I haven't given up on that dream. I, I still hope that that's out there, and I still hope something like that can be done. But if we're talking about Jay Crowder, and only Jay Crowder going out in a trade, at this point, I just want it to be over. My expectation for what the return is going to be has been so damaged over the last month or so. Dare I say, Gambo, I don't even really care that much anymore what comes back. I just want this done. I think a lot of people are at that point. I think it's a very fair point. Just done. That's it. Well, you realize you're not going to get anything for him, and um, you just want it to be over with. You'd like to get something back. You'd like to get something back that's of substance. But look, I mean, I'm telling you, Serge Ibaka, George Hill, that's that's not going to help the Phoenix Suns win basketball games. So it it you're at, and I know you always you just give me somebody that can help. Just give me anybody that can help. Any of those guys aren't going to help the Phoenix Suns. The guys that they have now, they're sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth guys. They're better than those guys. They're better than them. Yeah. Yeah, and so then becomes the question, what will the Suns do to get something that will help them? And that's where we turn our attention to maybe other rumors, and quite frankly, that's where we turn our attention to tonight's game against the Toronto Raptors, because the Raptors, and we'll get into this a little more detail later, um, but needless to say, the Raptors are a team that everybody around the NBA is watching that everyone's looking at their top four players in Pascal Siakam and Serge Ibaka, or not Serge Ibaka, I'm sorry, um, uh, OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, and Gary Trent Jr. and saying, if we even had Bobby Marks on the show earlier, he said, look, if they lose three more games on this road trip, that might be it. Toronto yeah. might decide that they're selling. I mean, it could, the, the margin between, between being a seller in this league and doing nothing in this league might be that thin for Toronto. And if they do lose three more games on this road trip, including tonight against the Suns, maybe they become open for business, and maybe the Suns can make a deal with the Toronto Raptors, specifically for OG Ananobi. I think he's the guy that you and I both have our eye on. Yeah, I think that the Suns would not be interested, and I've said this, I do, they're not interested in Gary Trent Jr. He's got an option next year for about $18.5 million, so I do not expect that he's a guy that they're looking at. It's it's a lot of money for a guy that plays the same position as, as Devin Booker. Uh, I don't don't think Siakam's a the guy they're looking at either. Now, some people may say, okay, but Siakam's good. I'm not expecting that Siakam's a guy that they look at, and I don't expect that they're looking at Van Vliet either. The only guy that makes sense would be OG Ananobi. That guy makes sense. I'm not going to rule that out. I think there is some interest there. If, they were gonna, if they're going to go that direction, I think there's some interest there. But that price tag, to me, would probably be 
a couple of first round picks, a couple of ex- an expiring contractors, so and then one good player, say maybe Cam Johnson. So that's that price tag to get OG Ananobi not only cost you draft picks, but it probably cost you one of your rotation players. Yeah, I hesitate with the Cam Johnson thing. I really do. The draft picks that that's to me is the big kind of hinge point in the conversation because you're you're one of you know a half dozen teams that has all your draft picks available to be able to use in a deal. You want to make sure you use them in the right deal. Is OG Ananobi the right deal? Is he the right guy you want to spend those picks on? Because you're really only going to get probably one shot at something like that. Uh, I like OG Ananobi a lot. I think he'd be a great fit on this team. I think he's almost, well, he's not almost, I think he's exactly what they need. I don't want it to happen at the expense of Cam Johnson. And if that's the only way it can happen, that's truly the only way it can happen, then I think we need to have a conversation about that because I don't know if I'm willing to go that far. The draft picks to me, that's where I think... To to get him and to know that I'd have him for a while, that might be worth the draft pick compensation to make him make you better this year and make you better in future years because he would do both as long as you're able to resign him. Yeah, I, I like think, that name a lot. I, I loved Van Vliet at one point. He's going to cost you a lot to get him. He's a little bit older now. You'd have to play small. That would hurt them. You know, they would love to get what the Suns really want is wing players around Devin. They want wing players. So everybody's thinking guard, guard, guard. Like, I think that their per- preference is to get wing players. I think if Toronto moves anybody, it would be Trent, who I don't believe the Suns have interest in, and OG. I don't think they'd move Siakam, but I do think that they could move Trent or OG. And like I said, I think the price tag for OG Ananobi is expensive. I think it's you know a, a definitely one first, maybe two, plus. You know, a Cam Johnson and expiring contract. So, you know, you got to decide. You got to think about it because he's a really good young player and he fits one of your needs. But it would be very expensive to get him. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the Sean Payton door, is it closed? Is it wide open? Is it slightly ajar? We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo, afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, Sean Payton. Update, 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 update. I think with the way the coaching hiring process has changed this year, we're seeing it play out a little longer for these clubs. And I think it's a good thing because they're allowing teams to get to the right candidates. But the doors are not closed yet. No, 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 no. That was Sean Payton and the appearance that he made on Fox's pregame show yesterday before the NFC Championship game. And, of course, we're all, we are all looking through every piece of information we've got in front of us to try to figure out exactly what's going on with Sean Payton. And there's a bunch of different theories out there, Gambo. There's a bunch of different thoughts. No one's exactly sure whether the Cardinals adding three names to their interview list means that they've moved on from Sean Payton, or is the fact that they've added three names to their interview list means they're playing hardball with Payton or the New Orleans Saints. Maybe both are true. I'm not know both can't be true, but maybe uh, I don't, at this point, I'm just as inclined to believe that the Cardinals have added three more names to their interview list as a way to get Peyton off of his price point. 
as a way to get the Saints off of his price point. That, to me, is just as logical an explanation for what the Cardinals have done as it is to say, well, they've just moved on from Sean Payton and they're interviewing different guys. I think the Sean Payton thing is still very much alive for the Arizona Cardinals. That's what I believe. You think it is alive, okay? I do. Yeah. I do. Well, listen, at this point, Sean Payton hasn't like him taking my name out of consideration. We talked about that last week. Could he ever take his name out of consideration, figuring he's not going to get any of these jobs? You save face a little bit, but that hasn't happened. He still says he's in play. I I know I listen, I know what Paul Calvisi said, and you know, mate that he kind of thinks that maybe Sean Payton's gonna be the guy, and maybe he will be, it would blow me away. I mean, Michael committed to spending that much money and obviously giving up draft pick compensation in New Orleans. Nobody there's four coaches that are you know that that still need to be hired. Only one has been hired. So I mean, nobody has gone after Sean Payton yet. Now the Cardinals, they interviewed Sean Payton the other day for like eight hours, and then he went to Dallas, and now the Cardinals have three more guys coming in. So boy, it is it's interesting to see where this is going to go with Sean Payton. A lot of people feel he's going to go back to Fox again, and uh, you know some people think he's going to get one of these jobs. I would, I'd be, I would be a little floored if it was the Arizona Cardinals. Let's unpack all of this because a, a lot has happened. So Sean Payton goes on Fox yesterday and says what I just played for you. I, I've not closed the doors. I've had good conversations. This, Let's see what happens this week, right? This morning, the Arizona Cardinals added three more names to their already lengthy interview list. They added Mike, Ka- Mike Kafka, pardon me, the offensive coordinator of the New York Giants. He will be interviewed on Tuesday, according to reports. Then the Cardinals, and actually that was the last thing they did. The first thing they did was they reached out to the Bengals and they scheduled interviews with both of their coordinators. They'll talk to defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo on Wednesday. They'll talk to offensive coordinator Brian Callahan on Thursday. Now, I'm not for a second suggesting those aren't legitimate interviews being done for legitimate purposes, but I also, and we talked about this early in the show, and then I'm going to play the Paul Calvisi soundbite here. You and I talked about the 2 o'clock segment. Man, I wonder if part of the reason for doing these interviews is to send a little message to Peyton. Hey, you, you, your price is too high. You know, we're going to go talk to other guys. Send a little message to the Saints. Hey, your price is too high. We're going to go talk to some other guys and just send a little message to you in that regard. Then Paul Calvisi, sideline reporter for the Cardinals, went on the Gatos and Chad show on our sister station, KTAR. And they asked him about Sean Payton, and it was really interesting to hear Polly, talk about it. Sean Payton by this time next week. We'll see. You think that's going to happen? Uh, I think they're negotiating right now. They keep adding names to the interview list. I think they're telling Payton and they're telling the Saints, bring your price down. No one else is coming after you. We guys, we'll go hire someone else if we have to. I think the Cardinals are truly interested, but right now they're negotiating on the price, both to Payton and to the Saints. Fascinating. I mean, it could be like, I mean, it it could be, but you are bringing it. Yeah, listen, you've gone through the interview process. You've interviewed so many people for the job, and you haven't hired anybody yet, including Sean Payton. You've you've interviewed, you know, Jiro uh, Ebro list and Vance you Jones. Go, you gotta go through the list. There's like okay. seven guys. Here's, here, here's the list of guys the Arizona Cardinals have been connected to one way or another, uh, and I might have even missed one on this. Frank Reich. Dan Quinn, Sean Payton, Brian Flores, D'Amico Ryans, kind of, Ijiro Aviro, Aaron Glenn, Vance Joseph, 
the three new guys today, Bengals offensive coordinator, Bengals defensive coordinator, Giants offensive coordinator, that's 11. Now, maybe I'm forgetting somebody. Maybe there's somebody I missed in there. But that's 11 different guys who at one time or another, one way or another, have been affiliated with the Cardinals coaching search. And and, and D'Amico's it, the one guy who pulled, pulled himself out. He did not interview here. Right. He, he was supposed he was, to, but he did not. Yeah, this time a week ago we were debating did he did he cancel on the Cardinals or did he postpone on the Cardinals? Well, I think it's safe to say now he he canceled on the Cardinals because he knew he was going to get another job. Right. He's going to get the Texans job sometime in the next couple of days. Dan Quinn decided to stay with the Cowboys. Uh, Frank Reich went to the Panthers. Um, and so those are the names. And, and it does. So let's say for a second, hypothetically, okay. that Sean Payton is out. Okay, I don't believe it, but let's say Sean Payton is truly out and the Cardinals are truly moving on. Well, then this next round of interviews would suggest, Gambo, that they they haven't been satisfied with what they found so far, that they feel like they can do better. That's or obvious. Somebody out yeah. there that, right? I, I think I mean, it's obvious, but Sean Payton's yeah. in that group. Like unless unless it is really a power play to try to get the price down for Peyton in New Orleans, he's in that group. They interviewed him. They let him leave. He went somewhere else. They, I mean, somebody else could have hired Peyton. How do they know? I mean, if you really want to play this game, if you really want Sean Peyton, there's still three other teams besides you that haven't hired a coach, including the Broncos. So you know, I mean, if you just let him walk and you let all this daytime go by, who's to say that somebody else wouldn't have swooped in and signed him? Yeah, I mean, so so the options either are that they've interviewed all of these guys and they don't like any of them, and they want to, or they don't love any of them. And I should say, I don't. They don't like. They don't love any of them. And so let's go interview a bunch of other guys because we just like these names. We don't love these guys, or they're they're doing this while they continue to stall and wait and to see what's going to happen with Sean Payton. And they're buying themselves some time. They're buying them t- some themselves some opportunity to continue to go with the Saints and with Sean Payton on the price and how much is this going to cost? Because if they truly are, like if the Broncos have moved on and aren't hiring Payton, and you know it's not going to be the Texans, and it's definitely not going to be the Panthers, and the Colts haven't even talked to him yet, the Colonels don't want to negotiate against themselves, right? If they're the only ones that are really in for Sean Payton, then it probably is in their best interest to try to get that price down, especially if we're talking about giving up draft picks for him. And, and I and I still think, and I don't know if you agree with this, I still think that the negotiations here are more about the draft picks than they are about the South. I would agree. You know, the guy, I, I still think that if you are still leaving things open with Sean Payton, that is much more about the draft picks than it is the money, in my opinion. I, I agree. I mean, because again, the draft pick compensation with where the Cardinals are picking this year, and then the report that, you know, that it's not solidified, but Kyler Murray's going to miss a lot of time next year, right? Somebody was an Adam Schefter reporter, somebody could be half the season. Well, you know, you can, you can have a good draft pick next year, too. If he misses yeah. half the season, guess what? You're going to have a good draft pick next year. I don't know that I want to give up next year's either. So my my play to New Orleans would be second round or we're not going there. Second round, there's no, there's no deal. 
Let me play this soundbite for you since you mentioned it. This was Ian Rappaport over the weekend about Kyler. Let's focus on some of these coaching searches, specifically the Arizona Cardinals. Really one of the biggest questions for the Cardinals, besides who actually is going to be their coach, is when is Kyler Murray going to be ready? And this topic for sure has come up during these interviews as Murray recovers from an ACL injury and a torn meniscus. My understanding is he is going to take his time and make sure this thing is 100% right. He is young. He's got a long career. He's not going to rush, so do not be surprised. If we don't see him to start the season, or maybe even by the midway point, this injury has to heal perfectly. That now, plays into the draft pick for next year, but that also might play into Peyton and his you know, his hesitancy to take this job, not knowing how healthy Kyler's gonna be. Well, I don't think that would be the case because you look you're not you're not taking the job thinking you gotta win it all in one year. You're looking at it and saying, Okay, I'm gonna have a few years to get this right. So I don't know if that would scare him off. Um the rap of War Chefter, I mean they're 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 all the same to me. Um so just that once you get to that point where you're like, okay, and we've kind of thought that Kyler wasn't going to play in the beginning of the season. Nobody knows for sure how much time he's going to miss, but that does play into how good your draft pick may be next year. If you get off to a terrible start and you, you're, you're two and six, two and seven, by the time Kyler Murray comes back, you're going to end up with a really good draft pick. They couldn't win games with Kyler Murray this year. So yeah. I don't, I'm, so I'm very hesitant to give up first round picks. So if you are talking to Sean Payton and New Orleans, there probably is. Is a, a, an, an area that you don't want to go to, and maybe you don't hire Sean Payton based on if their demands are simply a first-round pick or bust. Maybe you don't go there. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the Suns are taking on the Toronto Raptors tonight, which is good because we might get a first-hand look at a team the Suns could be dealing with ten days from now at the trade deadline. That's next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, before we talk about this story about trades that was on the ringer today that mentioned the Suns specifically, Gambo, let's uh, circle back to what you've heard about Devin Booker. Suns are playing the Raptors tonight. He was ruled out for this game yesterday by the Suns, so we knew he wasn't going to play in this one. Next up for the Suns is Wednesday against the Hawks. Then they start a five-game road trip on the East Coast against the Boston Celtics on Friday. Uh, You are now hearing that the return of Devin Booker might get pushed back just a touch. Yeah, I think there's a there's a ramp up period that the Suns would like for Book. So um, he's close. He's close. And I said last week there were four games this week, and that he could be back this week. I almost expected that he would be back. And it was for there's four games. There's the two home games, and then they play Friday, Saturday. I think there's still a chance that he could you know make the back end of that on Saturday. But I wouldn't be surprised if. He gets cleared Wednesday, and then they give him like a five-day ramp up. So that would be like you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then this actually gets into next week. My understanding is that you know they want to make sure that everything is perfect, and that it will include a ramp up of at least five days to kind of practice and get treatment, and then practice and get treatment, and then practice and just you know get ready so they're not rushing him back. So he's very close. But I do think that I would I would not expect it to be to, you know today or Wednesday uh, at the earliest. I think you're looking at the weekend games, but maybe even just a couple of game a game or two after that, just to, because of that ramp up that's going to be required for him before he comes back. Which to me is not that big of a deal. It's getting him back is twenty five percent of the equation for me. Seventy five percent is keeping him back. 
And that's if, if it takes another few games, if it takes another week before he's back, fine. Uh, th- that's that's nothing to have a problem with, I think, if you're a Suns fan. And I don't think it's anything to be concerned with if you're a Suns fan. Because, again, the goal, what you must accomplish, is the same thing that you must accomplish with Chris. You have to keep him back. Getting him back is one thing. Keeping him back is the most important part. So we won't see him tonight. We're also not going to see OG Ananobi tonight. He's been ruled out with a wrist injury. For a Raptors team that might be hanging on by a thread, we had Bobby Marks on the show earlier, and he had even suggested that for the Raptors it could come down to something as simple as if they lose three games on this road trip that they're on right now, they might decide that it's time to sell and blow it all up. Um, The Suns and the Raptors continue to be linked. Uh, Sham Sharania today, in addition to getting the news out there that the Suns gave Jay Crowder permission to speak with the Milwaukee Bucks and that he did, in fact, speak with the Bucks over the weekend, also really linked the Suns and the Raptors. And the name, kind of through the process elimination that I think you and I are going to spend the most time talking about, if we're going to talk about the Raptors, is OG Ananobi. Right. You've already kind of ruled out Gary Trent Jr. You've pretty much ruled out Fred Van Vliet. Um, you've ruled out Pascal Siakam. Now, I'll just tell you right now, as a basketball fan, I disagree with that one. I'm not disagreeing with your information, just the <laughs> opinion that I he should it. be ruled I, out. I get it. I, I I think if Pascal's available, I think you make a guy like that fit. You don't you don't not get him because of fit. You go, you know what, he's an elite player in this league. We'll we'll figure out a way to make him fit. But I don't know if he's gonna be available. OG Ananobi is the one and he he's the guy that if I'm a Suns fan, I'm rooting for the Raptors to fall apart because I want to know if he's going to be available. And then we have to get into price if he is. Yeah, and I think that price is going to be high for a kid 25 years old, you know, getting you 17 points a game, playing the you know the way he's played, um, shoot about 37 percent from three and 46 percent from the field. You know, OG Adenobi's a guy that I think is going to cost you. At least one or two first round picks, an expiring contract, and a player. And that player could be a, a Cam Johnson type. You're not, I'm not saying you're not getting Damian Lee, but they would want somebody that's a good player back if they are going to give up OG Ananobi. I think that's the one player that if he is available, I think the Suns, you know, would look at that. I would, I would not rule out OG Ananobi. I don't think Fred Van Vliet is an option. I don't think that, um, uh, Gary Trent Jr. is an option. I don't expect Siakam's going to be one. But Ananobi's a guy who's under contract this year. He's under contract the next year. The following year is a player option. So you would definitely have him the rest of this year, all of next year, and then have the ability to do a new deal with him after Chris Paul is gone. So there was a story on The Ringer today, and I'm, I'm a big fan of The Ringer's NBA coverage because it's centered by Bill Simmons, who obviously knows the league inside and out. Bill didn't write this story on The Ringer today. Five NBA teams that need to make a trade before the deadline. Um, and they write, which teams are one move away from being more interesting, way more interesting? We propose fake trades for the Suns, Clippers, Thunder, and more. Phoenix Suns are the first team they wrote about. And I'm guessing what you're going to say, but I'm going to read this anyway. Okay. okay. Yeah. Their proposed trade would be the Suns get OG Ananobi, Toronto gets J. Dario, three unprotected first round picks, 24, 26, and 28. Go ahead and say the thing that I think you're going to say. I don't know. Three first round unprotected picks. Uh-huh. Expiring contracts. 
but not a player. I'm not sure what you expect me to say. Well, I expect you to say that it, that the player going back isn't a Cam Johnson, therefore you don't think it would happen. That's what I was expecting. Well, no, because now you went to three first-round draft picks. You went oh, to okay. three. So because I went, okay, so because I went to three first-round picks, yeah. or because they went to three first-round picks, that, that takes Cam Johnson off the table, maybe, in right. terms of assets that you're giving up. And now you're giving up two expirings, Jay and Dario, three unprotected first-round draft picks. Okay, I'm sorry. I, uh, my apologies. I thought you were going to say, yeah... Toronto's going to want more in terms of a player coming back. It's got to be a better player coming back. I don't see that happening. I thought for sure you were going to say that. I believe that for this reason. Okay, if they decide, okay, we're going to trade OG Ananobi. They still got Van Vliet. They still got Siakam. They still got like they're still going to like they've got they got Nick Nurse with Nick Nurse still coaching the team. They're not going to want that's not a rebuild for them. Like if they trade OG Ananobi, they're going to want a player back that could come in and play right away. Yeah, you know, but, and then I mean, the Suns, re- if the Suns are going to add eight to you got to figure the math matters here. The math matters. You 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 know you can't pay everybody if you pay in. You know, if you're paying Chris next year and you're paying Devin next year and you're paying Mikhail and you're paying Cam and you're paying OG and you're paying D, it doesn't work. So I think the Suns would want to move out somebody for OG. That's a, that's a player that's going to cost them money. That could be where Cam comes in instead of the expiring contracts. Yeah, because I, I presumably you now you wouldn't have to re-sign OG this offseason. You could wait one more, I think, because he's got one more year left on but his then, deal. But he's, player but he's 18, he's eighteen and a half million dollars next year. Yeah, so if you bring in, if you bring in OG Ananobi and then you keep Cam, it, like you're paying a hundred million dollars. Now we don't know what Matt Ishbi is willing to do, but based on what the normalcy, you're not going to do that. You're not going to add eighteen million dollars in salary, right. and unless Ishbi is willing to go all. Clipper like crazy with the, the the luxury tax or Warrior like crazy with the luxury tax. Because everybody's I, I, numbers yeah. going up and then if you, re, if you re-sign Cam, and you can say okay, what about these expiring contracts? Well, you got to replace those players with guys. They have yeah. to be replaced. Like, OG only replaces one guy. Yeah, you do. I mean, you could replace them with guys who don't make very much money, but I, I, I totally understand the math element of what you're talking about. Just let's take that out of the equation for a second. Okay. Is OG Ananobi the guy that you want to spend three unprotected first round picks on? That when I read this article today on the Ringer, that was the fr- that, that was honestly the only question I had when I read it was okay. You're gonna you're saving those picks for somebody. Is OG Ananobi the guy you're saving those picks for? Or are you hoping something bigger, better? Are you waiting for something bigger, better? Oh, man, man, that's that, a really right, good question. That, that's the question. I, 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 would, I, don't say, think I would say yes. I would say he is. He's a good defensive player. Comes up with a lot of steals. He's having a career year scoring-wise. He's not going to be he's not playing the rest of this whole trip, right? He's not playing at Phoenix tonight. He's not playing Utah, Houston, Memphis. He's, you know, I mean, they, they, he's got a wrist injury, so you got to check on that. So health is a factor here in any trade. Like, he's not out for just this Phoenix game. He's out for this whole trip right here. He's not playing at all. Um, but he's a really good player. If health-wise he checks out, I I I would say yes. The Suns draft, the Suns first round draft picks are going to be you expect them to be later draft picks. So yeah, I would give that up to get a player of that caliber. 
Yeah, that that to me was my first reaction when I read the story, and I think a starting five of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges, OG Ananobi, and DeAndre Ayton just kind of. Okay, let's 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 see who's going to do better than that, right? Like let's let's see who can top that. As long you know, especially if Cam Johnson is still coming off the bench now, in a scenario like that, like that, let's see who could do better, who could top that in the Western Conference. It, I don't know if they're going to have the option to think about it. And yes, you're right. In reality, a lot of this hinges on Matt Ishbia's willingness to go deep, deep, deep into the luxury tax, and we frankly just don't know the answer to how deep he's willing to go into that yeah, for another yeah. week or so. That's a high price if you get to three first-round picks. I was thinking one first-round pick and Cam Johnson and an expiring player. You went to three on your mock thing. I think it would be more like, you know, one first-round pick and a, and a good player. Like, because he's a good player, but you also don't want to get to the point where you're giving up your, like, three first-round draft picks is a lot. I get it. Um, like, if I didn't have to give up a good player, then I would do it. But again, but then the money doesn't work for me because then you're bringing him in at $18 million, You got to re-sign Cam. I just, I think the money at some point doesn't work. The second to the last NFL weekend of the year had one great duel and one very sad blowout. And we'll recap them both next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? All right, the only local game on tonight is going to be the Suns taking on the Raptors. That game starts at 7 o'clock. Coyotes are in their all-star break. We won't see them again for a little bit. Uh, ASU basketball, obviously, not until later in the week. Boy, what a disappointing weekend for them. What's the bracketology look like for them? I was looking at a... uh I was looking at a bracketology just the other just a couple of minutes ago that had AU of A as a number one seed, believe it or not. Okay, I don't has I'm looking to see right now if well okay, I saw something earlier today. There's a website called bracketmatrix.com. Okay. And it takes like every bracket out there and kind of composites them and adds them up. Right now, basically, the average seed for ASU is an 11 seed. So they're, like, right on the cusp. Uh, and probably out, quite frankly. Yeah. Jari um, Palm has ASU as the, one of the first four out. So all, okay. these, all this losing hasn't really killed him too much. But he's, also got, he's also got U of A as a number one seed in the West. Yeah, that was U of A, Jerry Palm right now today, his updated bracket from today as U of A is a number one seed in the West and Arizona State is one of the first four out. Lenardi hasn't updated his since Friday of last week, Thursday of last week. So he still has Arizona State as one of the last four in. I imagine that has changed after their weekend loss to the Washington schools in Washington State. I, I would imagine that's out. But yeah, the bracketmatrix.com. Let me just double check it again. They've got ASU. Oh, this has changed a little bit. Hold on. They've got a. Where are they? Oh, yeah. They've got ASU as basically an at-large team right now. Average seed is about 11. There are 83, no, 79, 79 potential brackets. ASU's only on 42 of them. So a little more than half of the brackets that are out there, ASU's on. Okay. That's how close this is. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not great. Yeah, no, it was a terrible weekend losing both to the Washington schools. 
you know, for them. I think they got to get to 2021 wins. Remember, the, the, the ending is going to be ugly for ASU. They play at UCLA, at USC, at Arizona. Yes. That's not really, that. that's a gauntlet. Like, the, to, it's hard to win one of those games. So that's it's hard why not these to games feel. are so important. It's hard not to feel things are falling apart for ASU right now. That, that they just weren't able to. This four-game losing streak has just undone them. And they're and not that their chances are out, but they've got to do something extraordinary, especially during that last week when they play UCLA, USC, and Arizona. They've got to do something extraordinary then to make up for it. Yeah, this bracket matrix is it's a fascinating website because it just takes every bracket out there and just kind of adds it all up and paints this picture of what they're all saying and what they're all saying right now is that there are just other at-large teams that are on more brackets and have a better chance right now than ASU, that ASU's on the outside looking in. So, that's what's going on with that. Uh, of course, the big story, well, I mean, we've got lots of big stories. We've got the Jay Crowder being given permission to talk to the Bucks. We've got the Cardinals coaching search. Um, 13 days from now, Gambo, we've got Super Bowl 57, and it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles, and yesterday in watching the two conversations Conference championship games. We had a little bit of everything. The NFC game was largely a bust. It was largely made a bust when Hassan Reddick just tore up Brock Purdy's elbow. We learned today that he tore his ulnar collateral ligament and he needs repair. If he needs total reconstruction, he might be out a year. If he needs repair, then he might be out six months. It's awful news for him. It's an awful ending to a great story for Brock Purdy. And it pretty much eliminated any chance San Francisco had of competing in that game. Yeah, they would they would out of that game real early because then they bring in Johnson. He's the fourth string guy. Then he gets heard that Purdy's got to come back in the game, but he can't throw the ball. He tells Shanahan, as long as I don't have to ball throw the ball more than five yards, and then I think that nine out of the next ten plays were running plays. There was nothing you could do. Like, you know, they knew you were going to run the football. They knew you had a quarterback that couldn't throw it down the field. They put nine guys in the box, and they said, you're not going to be able to run on this. And for all intents and purposes, you know, that game was over. Philadelphia, for, for their part, they did a good job. They ran the ball pretty successfully. San Francisco's defense was outstanding at at least giving them a chance, keeping yeah. it at 21-7. But once it got to 28-7, now you probably thought a 21-7 it was over, but a 28-7 it was definitely over. I thought at 21-7 it was over. I thought, and what made it 21-7 was when Josh Johnson fumbled the ball uh, right before half. Ball goes right through his hands. Philly recovers it. They score a few plays later. That made it 21-7 right before halftime. I, I, at that moment, it's you, you've got, uh, you know, Josh Johnson then gets concussed, but at that point, San Francisco just doesn't have enough. They were too limited. They, they, they just didn't have enough offensively. The defense had put in a real valiant effort with the exception of some of those penalties in the first half. I mean, they just continually shot themselves in the foot with things. Well, they how many did delay of games so, did they have? After, how many delay of games did they have? Uh, when it, Johnson it, came in, I lost track. He couldn't hear. He just couldn't hear. Yeah. I think the if biggest it, question with the 49ers right now, I'm going to ask you this now, and I'm not going to hold you to it. Who's the 49 quarterback, 49ers quarterback next year, week one? <laughs> Who is their quarterback? You think it's Tom Brady? Tom. Tom Brady. Wow. Tom Brady. Wow. Yeah, Tom Brady. We're going to talk more about this tomorrow. I think it's Tom Brady. I, I, I definitely want to talk about this. Yeah, I, I like I that's like. Tom. Is that not one of the biggest questions? Like you know, for the 49ers? like who you got a great team. Who's your quarterback? Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's Tom Brady. 
I really do. I really do. Um, so congratulations to the Eagles. Then on the AFC side of the equation, boy, that game had a little bit of everything, didn't it? It was, you know, Bengals got off to a slow start. Eventually, Joe Burrow, they kind of figured it out. They figured out how to get him a little more time, how to get the ball out of his hands. Uh, he made incredible plays. I mean, that fourth down throw to start the beginning of the fourth quarter that led to the P. Ryan touchdown. At, at, in that moment right there, I thought the Bengals are going to do this again. They're going to win this game. And when they got the ball back with about two and a half minutes to go, I, I thought they're going to get in Evan McPherson's range and he's going to drill a 50-whatever-yard field goal because he's money from that distance and they're going to find a way to win. But man, Chris Jones came up with that huge sack on third down. There was that huge grounding call, which was really questionable in the moment. And the, the, the Bengals, they had a drive to work with. They couldn't make it work. The Chiefs got the ball back. The Sky Moore punt return, as you pointed out earlier in the show, was huge, huge part of that. But didn't you think? Didn't you think after Cincinnati converted that crazy third and sixteen to Hertz that they were going to win that game? Yeah, like that's it. They're going to win. Joe Burrow's going to get him in field goal range, and then you know, then a two yard play, and then the intentional grounding, and then the sack by Chris Jones, who definitely, after like thirteen games of not having a postseason sack, came up huge yesterday. And then Cincinnati punched the ball, and then Sky Moore has this incredible return, and this is a couple of plays away. But I, I thought that after after the third down completion by Burrow, I'm like, they're going to win this game. Cincinnati's going to yeah. get. They're going to find a way to get the 25 more yards that they need, 30 more yards that they need and get a chance to win the damn game because their kicker's got a big leg so I thought that they were going to pull it out Yep, I thought the same thing, too. Um, and you just got to give it up for Patrick Mahomes, who, despite the injury, despite the fact that three of his wide receivers weren't out there and that his tight end was all banged up with a bad back, he goes out there with that bulky ankle and he, he gets five yards on a third and four and gets that extra shove from Asai out of the penalty that, that I mean, that, that poor kid, it's his fault, but that it poor is. kid, I mean, it he's going to be beating himself up about that for months and months. He's going to be thinking about what did he do and why did he do it, and he's going to be replaying it in his head. I feel bad for the kid. It was his fault, but I feel bad for the kid. You I see really in do. the locker room, the guy, like, like, they protected him in the locker room. They had told the report, no dumb questions, no dumb questions. And they sat there, and they, they protected him. Now... You know, he's a teammate. He's a good player. He was a third-round pick. He was hurt last year, and he was he had a really good year for them. He was having a really good game for them, too. And he made a boneheaded, boneheaded play. And, yeah, sometimes it's, you know, there's a lot of plays in a football game, but some stand out more than others. That one stood out more than any other play because if he doesn't do that, that game's going to overtime. Don't know who's going to win, but it's going to overtime. Yeah, so Kansas City and Philadelphia, 13 days from now, right here at State Farm Stadium, right here in Phoenix, Arizona, in Super Bowl 57. Should be a really, really good game. We'll see how it turns out. We've got bonus Burns and Gambo coming up as we take you right up until Suns pregame coverage, which means you get a chance to hear what Bobby Marks had to say about the Suns and the trade deadline and Jake Crowder and Chris Paul and the Raptors. That is next on the Burns and Gambo Show. You're still here? For duh. It's not over. Don't go home. It's bonus Burns and Gambo. Bonus, bonus. This is brilliant. It's bonus Burns and Gambo. Yeah, we're still here and we'll be here till 630. This is great stuff. Are you ready? Okay, let's go. With you until 630 tonight, bonus Burns and Gambo here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
as we're taking you right up until Suns Raptors pregame coverage at 6.30. We had a conversation with Bobby Marks earlier, NBA front office insider with ESPN. Trade deadline is about 10 days away. Of course, a lot of decisions to make. Jake Crowder, the Raptors, all sorts of additions. What do you do? We talked with Bobby Marks. Here is that conversation from earlier today. Uh, just waiting for this Jay Crowder trade for like five months now. We've been waiting for this. Yeah, Bobby, I'm telling you, like I, every time I check in with the Suns, it's like, you know, teams like Jay, but I don't think, you know, he's, a, he's an yeah. older guy on an expiring contract. He's a, he's not an athletic guy. I think teams like him, but nobody really wants to give up anything of value, especially with all these teams that are still contending for a playoff spot right now. No, you're right. I mean, I think it's, I think it's backfired a little bit, probably on both sides, um, that he, we don't see him. Right. I think it's, you know, I, I, I talked about it about a week ago and I said that if he had kind of played his card right and similar to kind of the PJ Tucker situation in Houston after Harding got traded, I mean, Milwaukee was kind of able to see him up close and personal on the court and they wound up giving up a first for him, um, you know, for a guy that was on, I think, on an expiring contract. So I think it is a little bit more of a challenge when you are, um, you know, we, he hasn't played since, I guess, game seven. Uh, he is in a bit of an old. Older player, he's on an expiring contract. His numbers probably offensively have declined a little bit here, um, and then you know, then the asking price and. Most of these deals, uh, I think since the last four years, I think 85% of the trade uh, during the regular season have happened during the week of the deadline here. So out of the, we're at a point of no return come February 9th. Either he will be on his roster, and I don't know what happens then, uh, or he'll be traded, which is probably probably highly uh, likely. Are you shocked at the just the, the amount of names that have been associated with the Jay Crowder trade? I mean, I feel like I've been ch- chasing rumors, honestly, for months and months now with so many players that have been linked to Jay Crowder, but so many of those rumors are just false. The Suns were never interested yeah. in those guys. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it has to do with this contract. I think, you know, if he was making 24, 25 million, you know, we probably rule out a lot of names, but when you're making, you know, right around 10, you know, $10.2 million, it's kind of a, it's a perfect number. You know, you could take back a guy making $7 million, you could take, or you could, you know, take back a guy making $12 million here. And there's a lot of, when you look at, you know, a good majority of the NBA uh, players under contract are making it that average player salary here. But yeah, there's been a lot of, some stuff's got life to it, you know, but there's, I would say the majority of it, it just, just have not been true. Bobby Marks, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show. It, it, this Suns team right now today as it's currently constructed, is it worth an all-in multiple future first-round draft pick kind of trade 10 days from now? Or, in your opinion, is James better off waiting for the offseason to make a move like that to see how things shake out with this team and this roster? Well, I guess it depends on who the guy is, right? Who's the player? I mean, um, if Toronto loses three more games on this road trip and all of a sudden OG and OB becomes available, is he the guy, right? I think a lot of that has to, you know, and if that's the guy, then what happens with the next CBA? I've talked about this at length. It, the extension rules change where, oh, you can extend OG this summer instead of waiting until he becomes a free agent, um, you know, in next offseason here. I think that has something to do with it. I think the... I think the Western Conference, I think, you know, certainly Phoenix has had injuries and they've, you know, went on that, that slide. But the Western Conference is not 
like the old days here. It's 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 you know kept them in the mix here, where you probably don't have to do an all in move and still finish in the top six here. Um, you look at Memphis, you look at um, uh, Denver, the two teams up top. I think you can beat them in a in a seven game series. Um, you know you probably won't get Golden State. Um, you know if you if in the first round here. So I think it's a matter of hey, it's so wide open that yeah we need to go all in because maybe this window is closing a little bit or no you know it, it's um you know to the point where there's so much parity let me let me ask you about toronto i'm fascinated by toronto and i know that the suns like some of the guys there but not not a gary trent you know because he plays the yeah. same position as booker and he's got a crazy salary for next year and i think with pascal siakam they just don't really feel that Devin da and pascal is a great fit van vliet i don't believe that they want van vliet three years ago maybe but not now so let me go let me go with og on an he would cost the Suns a lot. You're talking draft pick compensation, probably Cam Johnson, and then, you know, the expiring contract of Jay. I, I do think that out of all the Toronto guys, I think that the interest the most would be an OG. How much do you think you would have to give up to get him? Does that sound reasonable, draft pick compensation, a player like Cam and an expiring contract? Yeah, I think it's probably similar to, um, you know, the Drew Holiday trade when he went from New Orleans to Milwaukee and then also the DeJounte Murray trade. I, I'm not in the belief it's going to be Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. I, I don't I don't see four first and pick swaps and all that that comes with it. I think it probably probably a good player, as you mentioned, Cam, probably too unprotected, maybe a swap in there. Um, maybe you can do something with, with the protections, um, you know, with that here. I, I think he would be the perfect guy. Um, you know, is he available in 10 days from now? I don't know. He's got this, you know, he's out for I think for a couple games with a, you know, sprained wrist. Um, but I think if you have a belief that you know, that you can resign him when he becomes a two, uh, free agent in 2024 unrestricted, um, or you can extend him, as I, as I mentioned before. I think he's the perfect guy. I mean, up to a point, I think the first, you know, half, first, I guess, month and a half, I thought he was their best player. A little bit of a slide in his last 10 games here. But, um, but no, I mean, guys like that, you know, six, eight big wings um, can defend. Um, those are hard to come by when, you know, when they get into free agency. Bobby Marks, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We're not going to know until we know, but from your experience with stuff like this, how is the equation going to change when Matt Ishbia takes over on what we think is going to be February 8th? We don't know for sure, but that's the day we're hearing, Bobby. Yeah, I mean, it's similar. I mean, we went through in New Jersey with Prokhorov, um, I think in 2010, where he wasn't quite the owner yet, and it was during the trade deadline. Um, I think a lot of it is just really educating him, um, educating him on, you know, everyone comes in and, you know, maybe they think it's kind of fantasy basketball as far as, you know, with guys that you think they're available and are not available here. I think I think certainly the resources are, are you know, they're there, um, you know, as far as if you have to go deeper into the luxury tax, I think. Um, but I think it, a lot of it is just really kind of just the, the education of, you know, it's, it's an interesting time because it's right at the trade deadline and we're likely getting a, probably a new CBA right at the at, at same time here. I think, yeah, I mean, it becomes a, a little bit difficult if I guess, you know, you couldn't make a deal because this ownership um, situation was kind of in, in limbo. Um, but I do think there's probably more clarity. Um, at least we've heard there's probably more clarity when we get closer to the deadline. 
Let me ask you about Chris Paul because this is a big thing. He's got he's under contract next year, but only half of it is guaranteed. If you wanted to keep Chris, thirty million dollars you're paying him. If you want to get off of it, you could, and you pay him fifteen. It does free up a little bit of cap space for you. Do you think a, a determination is, is already done, or do you think it really depends on what he does in the playoffs? I think for him, I would be surprised if he's not back for next year. Now you're asking me about, I think that fourth year is non-guaranteed. Um, I think it's a straight non-guarantee. Um, I, I think, yeah, I mean, listen, he is he where he was two years ago? Probably not. Um, but as you guys know, I mean, point guards are, you know, good point guards are hard to find. I mean, it really is. And you mentioned Fred VanVleet. It's like you'd have to go through salary cap gymnastics to try to even get him when he becomes a free agency. It'll cost you probably probably maybe cost you cam because of his you know his big cap hold here. So I think hey, you know, if if you know if they lose in the first round, I think it's it's hard for me to think, you know what, they're gonna cut bait with him just to, you know, be, be now they can use their um their full mid level except this free agent class is, is is interesting just because it's kinda top heavy, you know, with Fred and Kyrie and Guy Harden is another guy out there. Um but I you know unless things really sputter and you know um, you know the years have caught up to him and he you know he's not at a you know a B-level guard um, it's hard for me to think that he's probably not back next year it's Bobby Mark shorting us earlier today here on the Burns and Gambo show talking about the trade deadline and the Suns the trade deadline is on February 9th we are just about 10 days away from that when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show we'll talk more Suns basketball we'll preview the Suns with Suns broadcaster John Bloom he's standing by at the Footprint Center we'll talk with him next on the Burns and Gambo show and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, from time to time, we've got these bonus Burns and Gambo shows, and when we're going into a Suns basketball game, we uh, usually call upon our friend and Suns broadcaster, John Bloom, to talk some Suns basketball with us as we go right into their broadcast when the Suns take on the Raptors, and tonight is no different. It's been a while since I've talked to Bloomer, so I'm looking forward to this conversation, talk a little Suns basketball with Suns broadcaster, John Bloom, here on the Burns and Gambo show. Bloomer, what is going on with you? Burns? Uh, excited to be here for a couple games at home before another uh, crazy long road trip back in the East Coast. It seems like a good portion of this season has been spent uh, on that side of the country. But uh, there, there's only, I think, two more long trips. One of them comes up this week. Uh, we The good news is we will be back in time for all the festivities Super Bowl weekend. The bad news is the team I cheer for, as you well know, grew up yeah. a born and raised 49er fan, will not uh, be playing in that game. Yeah, I was going to, you know, I, shame on me. I, first thing out of the gates, I should have offered my condolences about your San Francisco. That was a rough players. one, man. That was it a really tough was. one to watch. Really and you know what? It was a learning lesson for my 14-year-old daughter uh, who continuously asked me, are we going to really watch all this? And I said, yes, we're going to watch the whole thing. You know, it's not a game. We don't have a quarterback. I get it, but we're still watching. <laughs> yeah, it's, when you don't have a quarterback, that is, I mean, it, 
it, it truly is like a no-win situation. I mean, you just you can't. You're not going to win that game. You can't win that game. It's, yeah. It, it, I remember when Brock Purdy came back in. Somebody had even said, "Man, this now this might be one of the greatest stories of all time if they can somehow come back and win this game." He couldn't throw the ball from me to you, and I'm not sitting next to you. But uh, like metaphorically, he couldn't we throw were. the ball from me to you right now, right? <laughs> yeah. We you know what? Find out to- it felt it felt uh, a variety of, of ways. It, there was definitely a, a few emotions going through me, but none of them were like um, feeling robbed. And and the reason for that is just because of what an amazing run we had with that young man as a 23 year old last pick in the draft uh, running the show. And so that's the way I feel. I also have a different kind of feeling as a, a born and raised 49er fan, and that feeling is complete and total spoiledness, if that's a word. I, I do. I feel spoiled rotten by the fact that I got to watch the Joe Montana and Steve Young-led teams as a kid in, like, the formidable years. And so, for me, that was the one team I ever cheered for that won. Uh, and then, uh, you know, in addition to that, uh, now I have kids that actually follow them because of me. So it's kind of my fault. Then it gets wrapped up into a family situation, right? Uh, you, you feel me on this, Bernsey. Uh But I'm not mad at it. Uh, I think it's going to be an exciting Super Bowl, provided Patrick Mahomes is healthy. I hope he is, because yeah. if he if he is, the Eagles-Chiefs should be a great matchup. All right, just real quick, and then we'll talk Suns basketball, I promise. Gambo asked me this before he signed off at 6. I'll ask you this since you're a 49ers fan. Who's your quarterback next year? Yeah, that is what everybody's talking about. All my guys you know, that, that I went to high school with were on this group chat. Uh, we started the year by hanging out in Chicago for our fantasy football draft and going to that crazy deluge of a game where the Bears and Justin Fields beat the Niners in the opener. A lot of people might not remember. That's how the season started for this group. But that was Trey Lance. And we were all wondering, you know, what's Trey Lance going to become? And I still think a lot of guys are wondering what Trey Lance is going to become. I don't think he's going to become the starting quarterback for the 49ers, though, because of what they saw out of Brock Purdy. I could be wrong, but that's my feeling is that Kyle Shanahan feels like he might have something. And why shouldn't he feel that way? So your answer isn't Tom Brady then? No, I don't think it should be Tom Brady. There has been, there <laughs> no, has been okay. that mentioned and suggested. Okay. I've seen it floated out right. there. And my, my answer to that is thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah. Okay, good to know. Because that was, that was my answer to Gambo about 30 minutes ago was I think it's going to be Tom Brady. And, and uh, it's interesting to hear from a Niners fan the year in the thanks, no thanks category. All right, let's uh, turn the conversation to a Phoenix Suns basketball team. And um, that, that game on Saturday night, against the Spurs was about as lackluster as it could be for the first three quarters. There was just kind of the sense that the Suns were playing down to them, that they probably should have been doing more, doing better against them. Spurs go on that crazy stretch in the fourth quarter where they hit 12 straight shots and it's going nuts. That will be the Mikel Bridges game. We'll remember it as the Mikel Bridges game, the Mikel Bridges overtime and what he was able to do. It, it feels like that overtime session was kind of a culmination of everything that's been built with Mikel for the last two or three weeks. Like, it had all been building to that moment. He's just complete, total takeover of the game in the moment when it needed to be taken over. It's a great way to put it, Bernsey. I couldn't put it better because you felt it. Uh, you felt it not just watching it and for Tim Kempton and I getting a chance to, to see it and call it, but also 
also watching his teammates and watching his coaches and seeing their response and then hearing Monty Williams tell me earlier tonight about how you know they, they had all been yelling just shoot it you know they, they have that kind of trust in him uh, in crunch time situations even though you may recall there's been a couple games during the stretch without Devin Booker where they have gone to Mikel late for a bucket and he has not been able to come up with that big shot that could win the game tie the game or whatnot now he gets a chance to do it not only does he give it to him but then he gives you a great block shot and a couple other great defensive stops that the Suns absolutely needed because like you mentioned the Spurs caught fire and that can happen even against a team that's uh, running a daycare center like they are right now in San Antonio you and I used to joke about that being here in Phoenix with the teenagers running around that's what they've got right now in the Alamo City and yet they put it together down the stretch because Keldon Johnson can flat out get it and this rookie from Baylor Jeremy Sohan was really impressive as well in that game yeah Sohan was incredible that game he was just high energy all over the place um you've you've had a courtside seat now for just about all of it these last few years for the Phoenix Suns how if you want to put a percentage on it fine if you don't that's cool too how close to back is Chris Paul based off of what you've seen these last four games I mean, just the numbers alone tell me he's all the way back uh, because he's averaging over 22 points, almost 11 assists, and six rebounds a game in those four games. So, yeah, those are big numbers, but that's not really how we judge uh, CP3 necessarily. It's about that energy. It's about is he getting to his spot when he wants to. It's about does he have that awareness to actually manipulate a game unlike very few, you know, anybody else really. Uh, he does it differently. He manipulates manipulates games, and that's why his teams win so many games that are close down the stretch. Now, he needs his guys around him to really have the ultimate weapon of, of manipulation down the stretch in crunch time, and now with Mikel taking that step like we just talked about, having Cam Johnson back, uh, when you have DeAndre Ayton hopefully back out of the, the fog that I think he was still kind of in coming out of that respiratory illness that he was dealing with for a week, uh, you know, you have these options, then Chris Paul gets more dangerous, and then I Obviously, Devin Booker coming back will completely change everything. But uh, I think he's all the way back, Burns. He's just watching him. He's doing that skip to his spot on the right elbow and hitting that jumper yeah. where they should put a plaque on every court in the NBA when he retires and just put CP right down there on that spot where he's taking all those jumpers <laughs> and knocked them down over every human being that's ever suited up in the NBA and played against him. Uh, I think that uh, that's a good sign, and that means it looks like vintage Chris Paul, which is not a good sign for the rest of the Western conference it's funny the more I, the more i watch basketball the, the more you know and, and i know there are numbers and stats and box scores and higher levels of analytics that can explain this that and everything and, and i don't want to sit here and make it sound like I've, I've gotten old and i've turned into an old man and, and and that sort of thing when it comes to how i watch basketball but i do feel like so much more about guys can be told by what you see and what you observe and how they play and how they get to their spots and i mean i can look at the numbers all day long and and I can just tell in these last four games, Chris Paul feels more like himself. I can tell just by watching these last three games, DeAndre Ayton is playing in some sort of a fog, right? Like, I can look at the numbers and say this and that, but I just need to watch it and watch their body language and how they're moving. And I find that the more, the older I get, the more basketball I watch, the more, it's like I almost don't even need the box score anymore. I mean, I still do, but I watch how they play and I think... 
I can tell. Chris looks like he feels like he's back. I can tell. DeAndre looks like he feels like he's not all the way back. And, and, and I, I get that sense from both of these guys when I watch them play, Bloomer. Yeah, and, and I'll throw our guy Dario into that conversation about a guy that looks like he's all the way back. Uh, and, you know, people might not look at, at a, a Dario Saric on, a, on paper on the Phoenix Suns roster and say, okay, hey, there's, there's a guy that's going to be a difference maker. But I happen to disagree. I think not only can he be a dis- difference maker now, and he has been, uh, 13 rebounds against the Spurs, I think that made a little bit of a difference, but I think he can make a difference in the playoffs. And the reason I say that is this is a guy that's seasoned. You know, he's in his seventh year. He's he's in his you know mid to late 20s now. He's played for good teams. He's been in those big-time situations, obviously got hurt in the NBA Finals against the Bucks. So, yeah, there's another guy all the way back and can make a difference. Bloomer, look forward to hearing your stuff tonight on the Suns. Thanks for the time, as always. You know, we appreciate it. All right, Bernsey. John Bloom, joining us from Footprint Center. We're out of here. See you tomorrow, straight up 2 o'clock. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Give it to God.